we have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soulfire production. Hello, Dojo family. Oh my goodness. I am here with <laughs> April Dominguez, who is one of the Dojo OG OGs. We've been working together for years now. April began in the Dojo Immerse container on into Dojo Masters and now is weaving with myself and all of the women inside the Dojo Council. And it has been such an honor to serve, to walk with, to ally up with this woman who is one of the most fierce, fiercely graceful beings that I've ever met. I've witnessed her in the trenches of her own evolutionary process, touching the deep, the edges of the most uncharted territory of the most wounded places of the, the willingness to turn over all the stones that had been untouched unturned and really meet herself and infuse those spaces with courage and love and acceptance. And it's just extremely inspiring to have witnessed your journey up until now and to walk with you as your sister and witness your marriage in Spain most recently. Mm -hmm. And this is now the description of April as a woman who is evolving and revolutionizing the way that she walks for herself and her entire lineage. Mm -hmm. And April is also a badass business babe holding the entrepreneurial codes that have really cascaded throughout the entire dojo ecosystem. You know, the, the ways that you've been able to see me and bring your wisdom to me and what it is that I'm creating. I just value so much. April is a startup founder and a conscious entrepreneur and really walks the talk of, of infusing consciousness 
into her business. And so I'm so excited. Obviously I could go on forever to introduce all of you <laughs> to April. And with that, April, I'd love to just pass the mic to you and invite you to introduce yourself and share with all of us your deepest why for saying yes to sharing your voice on the Dojo podcast today. Mm. Well, thank you for that intro. <laughs> I can't help it. Like my whole body is lit up, just like being poured into by you and It feels really, really good to be here. And, you know, one thing I want to speak to before my deepest why is one of the things that you mentioned and how it's been such an honor to witness all of my growth and um, expansion and uh, failures within that. Um, You know, the thing that came through for me was that level of expansion is not possible if you're not being witnessed. Mm. You know, I really believe that. I really believe that, that you have to be witnessed in it to truly evolve. It's like that, you know, the whole saying of if a tree falls in the woods, does it actually make a sound? Mm. You know, like it, can that actually, can you actually expand to that level if you're not being witnessed? And I really believe and know that through the dojo ecosystem, that that is how I've been able to evolve so much is by being held and being witnessed. And it's something that I used to uh, be very fearful of is witnessed. And it's a very powerful thing that the dojo contains. Mm, Thank you for naming that. And it's, you know, it is a potent liberation technology to be witnessed in new levels of embodiment and continue to be held in a field of positive projection. Like Mm -hmm. the ones that you trust see you go through the depths of fear and the grips of self-judgment and the resistance to feeling and then break through into to heightened levels of self-acceptance and love and liberation and truth. And you touch those places mm-hmm. while being witnessed. Mm-hmm. And then there's now there's there's the the the, the peak experience of that breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And then it's about sustaining the breakthrough and yes. living the breakthrough and breathing the breakthrough and walking the breakthrough. And that is what integration is mm-hmm. to, have to integrate the new way of being. And it's super helpful mm-hmm. to have a team of individuals, whether you call them team or not, it could be just your best friends that right. are circling around you and are in a shared agreement consciously yes. to hold one another to their highest, right? Yes. And to remind one another who it is that you're choosing to be in every day, on every way, in every moment with a lot of compassion and a lot of wiggle room because we are going to pendulum and we are going to slip into old ways of being in patterns. And it's, I think there's a, a tenderness in terms of like when you're holding, I'm speaking to everyone listening and, and myself and April, when any anyone is holding a, a friend accountable or in a field of positive projection, like I see you, I know who you are, I know where you, I know where you're taking a stand for yourself. There's also a potency in the fine, the refinement of being able to leave room for when the wobbles happen without at infusing pressure or judgment, but also holding a firm reflection of like, there's, this is, this is so okay to be in this backslide for this moment, which may not be a backslide. It's just like a reverb. It's so normal. It's natural. It's accept and love that the wobble is here while also holding that firm stand for like, and Mm -hmm. let's, 
there's a new reference point. Let's keep living into that. I know who you are and I'll stand here with you and for you for as long as it takes for this wobble to move. So there's this like interesting dance because it's also easy to put a pressure on someone and be like, this isn't who you are. I know who you be. There's a higher version of you. And then it like kind of reinforces self-judgment as I find that as we grow and evolve, especially through as we become more aware of ourselves, we go through these pops and then the classic wobble happens and it's easy to be like, God, I'm doing that thing again. We judge ourselves for going back into the thing that we we broke through. And then if we have individuals around us that are like, no, like you broke through that, kind of putting a pressure on, get back to the other way, it like doubles down on the pressure. Yep. So this interesting <laughs> dance to actually release the pressure valve entirely and make it totally fine. Like you have a breakthrough, you expand, but not get lackadaisical about it either. So there's this beautiful, and that's like, I think the medicine within the dojo ecosystem, I feel like we do that dance really well. We have a lot of room for, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. I think in the last Sedona immersion, you really named, like, I think one of us was in a space of reflecting to you, your power and the, the like, bountifulness and inspiring ripples that your walk has made as a businesswoman, as an entrepreneur and the codes that you carry. And I remember at a certain point you were like, I just want it to be okay for me to like, not be okay. For me to not have it together. And like, yeah. I want to know that yeah. could speak more on that. How does that experience occur to you? The more mm-hmm. success you've had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how, like, where is that importance in it also being okay for you to not be successful? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's so much juice in there. There's so many things. Um, I'm going to rewind a second and I'm going to tune back into your first question before diving into that. And so yes. that first, that first question of my biggest, why, you know, what mm-hmm. is my biggest, why to saying yes to this podcast today? And I am so excited. And it's also an edge for me. Like this podcast in podcasts aren't an edge. I speak all the time. I'm, I'm on stages. I'm doing podcasts. Like podcasts aren't the edge. This podcast is the edge. <laughs> and the reason is because I've been in this fusion of blending business and spirituality. And for a long time, I had them compartmentalized. Like here's my spiritual life. Here's my container and everything I do within that. And then here's my business. And they're both separated. And the business world for so long has been conditioned to you keep that conversation separate. It's inappropriate to have it fused in. And so I've been in this process of really like bringing the two together so that I can lead consciously, so that I can lead from my heart, so that I can lead from a spiritual place. And for me, my biggest why today was this is one of the first opportunities to share my spiritual messages to the world, not just my business messages to Mm -hmm. actually like bring them together full circle and fused. And that's why it was an edge. It was like, Oh shit, I'm actually like doing it. I'm actually (laughs) the two together, which is, um, yeah, it's scary to do something so differently when the rest of the world has been on this repeated cycle for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's actually a really good place to start is, you know, the, the baseline of the walk that you've been taking with mm-hmm. your work in your business, you know, mm-hmm. and 
and and how that's been occurring in your in your world because I know that that's been such a huge part of the mm-hmm. expression of your soul is your your work in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I'd actually like to create some context for everyone listening, April, in terms of like what you're what you're passionate about on the physical world reality level, your entrepreneurship and what you're creating there. And then we can get into the fusion of, well, how are you infusing that with spirit? And what are the lessons that you're learning at the leading edge of this, which is kind of will bring us back to where we went, which is like, why is it okay? Why, why is it so important for those wobbles to be there? Why is it important to, to not be attached to only being seen at, in our most powerful, highest expression, but also to balance that out with it being okay to be in the humanity, you know? And I feel like that's so connected to the spirit and the, the messages of consciousness, you know? So let's yeah. create context and structure with, share with us about your path and your journey of becoming an entrepreneur and what that, yeah. like, paint the picture. What does that look yeah. like? How has that moved through you? Yeah. Woo. Um, so I know through to my entire core, like every cell in my being that my, one of my biggest purposes here has always been to create huge impact, you know, of a different level, something that is really transforming the thought processes of people. Um, I've known it since I was little, I've known that I was different. I've known that, you know, I take things and I have, I think my greatest skill, a lot of people look at skills. I used to look at skills like, wow, they're a really skilled soccer player, a really blessed singer, like a really beautiful guitarist, like a spoken word artist, you know, all of these amazing skills. And I was like, where, what is my skill? Like, what is my skill? And it took me a long time to really zero in on it and, and realize wow, I have such a powerful skill in that my greatest skill is to deeply, deeply think about something like in, into every single like particle of sand and to strategically sit with that thought and come out on the other side with solutions quickly and to be able to digest and get somewhere really quickly. And for the majority of my life, I was doing this internally. I was, you know, solving problems in my family, solving problems in other businesses, solving problems for my friends. I didn't realize it was a skill. And so my path to entrepreneurship and through entrepreneurship to where I am now has really been about honing in and grabbing hold of my innate skills, of my innate abilities and how that can impact the world through entrepreneurship. And my path and course here to this state has been one of the biggest battles of my life. (laughs) One of the greatest battles of my life. All of the exterior stuff removed, it is the greatest battle with myself that I've ever faced in my entire life. Mm -hmm. My greatest battles of uh, self-doubt, self-conflict, internal self-abuse, you know, Mm -hmm. self-criticism, like everything has come up on this journey of entrepreneurship. And questioning my own beliefs. Like, am I in this for the right reason? Am I in this for fame? Am I in this for accolades? Am I in this for impact? Like, why am I actually in this? And I've been faced front and center with all of these deep rooted questions that I have to answer. Like I have to come to truth with, and then I have to choose to get to the other side of that and continue paving a way forward. Mm -hmm. And so I share that first before diving into like what the business is or the impact that it's creating. Because I think the most important thing with any entrepreneur is like 
entrepreneurship is one of the greatest spiritual journeys that you'll ever go on. <laughs> it's, it's not there for you to just earn money. It's not there for you just to create impact. Like it's actually there for you to transmute and alchemize and um, level up yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So at the, at the beginnings of your actualization of your purpose, like what is at the heart of the work that you're doing in the world right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So today to give like more uh, tangible context of what I actually do, I am a startup founder. I am, when I think of myself, I actually have four strikes against me in the startup world. And so for innate, as soon as I get on a call, as soon as I send an email, there are four things that are automatically like, boom, boom, boom. These are reasons why we're going to say no. Mm-hmm. One, I'm a woman, obviously. Two, I'm a minority, you know, so I'm, I'm indigenous and I'm Hispanic. Three, I'm a non-coding founder creating a technical company. And four, I am creating a company for the leading industry for women and the leading industry in my in minorities. Mm-hmm. Like the business that I'm creating is a mobile app to help uh, beauty and barber professionals advance in their career. That's mm-hmm. the technical function of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But beyond that is like, is the impact in the why, which is much greater. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the why of what we're doing. So many people don't know the stats of what's really going on in the world, in the world of venture capital. When I started, I didn't, I knew the stats, but I thought I was an exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. Like I really believed like, oh, those are the stats, but no, they don't know. They don't know April Dominguez. I'm going to like go out there and crush it, you know? And um, the stats are that less than 0.4% of venture capital go- dollars go to Latina founders, less than 0.4. That's less than half of a percent of VC dollars. Um, there are less than 100 Latina founders in history that ever raised over a million dollars. And I'm one of them, which mm. is such a like small amount of people. Um, there, I was the first founder to receive a grant from Google, the first Latinx founder to ever receive a grant from Google in the form of $100,000 in cash. <laughs> and in history, there have been no Native American founders to ever IPO. There are only a handful of female founders that are uh, black or brown. And of those, none of them are Native American. And so for me, what I'm doing and what I'm fusing in this world goes so beyond like just the technical aspect, which is a huge need and huge problem, but it goes deeply into my lineage and into like the history of, you know, Hispanics and Blacks and LBGTQ and Indigenous people and the amount of barriers that we've been faced with. Mm -hmm. And so every day that I'm showing up, I am faced with this massive comparison to the rest of the world, to the typical startup founder, the other 99.6% that I am not. Mm -hmm. And I'm comparing myself to 99.6% and how far advanced they're getting compared to how far advanced I'm getting. Mm. So every inch forward, I'm faced with, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing because I'm not matching them. And what I have really, really had to come to, one of the greatest like realizations that I have to remind myself every day is that for every, I can feel my ancestors in my lineage like behind me on this the entire time. And for every inch that I am moving forward, even though it's just an inch and I'm comparing it to my counterpart who has already started five miles ahead of me. 
I'm actually moving my lineage there, that line a thousand feet, you know? So it's like, I'm going much further for the lineage than what I can see in this physical realm. Wow. Thank you. I have chills like the whole time that you're speaking Mm -hmm. and so much reverence and so much respect for the work that you're doing. And, you know, now I want to kind of pendulate into the spiritual and the curriculum that Mm -hmm. you've faced on an internal level in terms Mm -hmm. of your own internal landscape. So Mm -hmm. what have been some of the biggest turning points for you that have either been moments where it felt like, you know, you couldn't do it or like, how, how does this occur actually in your internal landscape and what work have you done within yourself for anyone listening who might be experiencing themselves up against something big like that, right? What have you done in terms of your own internal alchemy to continue the momentum when you're up against, it's like David and Goliath is the feeling of like what you just described kind of energetically. And so first of all, how does that feel and how does that occur? And then what has it looked like for you on your own healing journey to get behind yourself and keep going? Yeah. Um, it's terrifying and it's awful. A lot of the times it's, it's really, really hard. It's really challenging and really isolating. Like in my physical body, I often feel completely suffocated. I feel, I can feel physical weight weighing down on my spine and on my back. You know, I, I can feel the amount of um, analysis paralysis and pressure from, from the capital that I've raised, like raising capital is pressure. And so a lot of the times the experience is absolutely debilitating and terrifying. That's the truth. You know, and I think a lot of, a lot of people and founders don't openly speak out about that because you're just seeing the glorified stats of what's being accomplished, but you're not seeing what's happening internally and on the back end. And I have been faced quite honestly, I would say 60, 40, 60% of the time I am overcoming significant internal fear processes that I'm not worthy, that this isn't going to work, that I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just like full of shit, you know, and it's 60% of the time I'm facing that even 70% of the time, you know, and I've experienced, um, huge moments within my business that catapulted me back even further that were, that really made me question, what am I doing and why am I here? And the way that I have alchemized that, you know, I'll share, I'll share one experience. One of the biggest experiences that I went through was with, I started this company and it was a spiritual journey with my sister. So my sister was my co-founder and business partner. And this business was, was a fusion of both of our lived experiences coming together. And it was a fusion of both of our genius coming together and both of our spirits coming even deeper together than they already were. And when we started this business together, we had the purest intentions of really wanting to just hold the other in the highest in this up leveling, like let's up level, let's up level. 
And as time went on, it brought to the table all of our inner woundings and we used them against each other because we were the closest in the relationship, you know, and going back to what you were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, like how can you hold somebody in the highest, but not pressurize them to be that? Well, we often do that to the people closest to us, to our husbands, to our wives, to our partners, to our, our families. That's where it happens the most. And that's where resentment, you know, is stemmed from. And that's where criticism comes in. And it's so complex. And that started to occur in our dynamic and so much so that our, it essentially resulted in an explosion. And within that explosion, we held the business. And so simultaneously, while my sister relationship is blowing up and everything that we had set out and intended for this to be from purity, like purity of our hearts, like really wanting to support each other, blowing up, I'm then faced with, you have to hold the business together. You have to keep the business together. And, and then having to learn and really figure out, go deeper into my why, like, why am I actually doing this after, after blowing up an entire relationship with my sister? Is this worth it? Is this worth it? That was the biggest question that I was faced with and how I was able to really keep forging through that and like moving forward and finding myself and, and staying staying in a position to lead with integrity for my investors, for my team, for the company was through opening myself up to reflections. That was the biggest avenue. Like, quite honestly, that was the biggest avenue. I couldn't see myself clearly anymore. Like there was so much fog. I couldn't see myself. I couldn't feel myself. I was like, I was gasping for air and I had to, at some point, just stop trying to find myself and ask and receive. And I started to receive so many reflections from my investors, from my team, from my friends, from everyone else that I needed to remind myself back to my why, back to who I am, back to how I've impacted them, back to how it's inspiring them, back to this new reference point that they're seeing. And so I had to give up the reins of really trying to find it myself and um, allow others to pour into me. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. It's it's really ironic sometimes we have to actually completely let our self small self go and every in the process of that it's like easy to say it right here but the process of that is letting go of every self protection every mechanism of control every pres- preservative function that the identity learned over time in order to be safe And the process of releasing that often requires an explosion, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like major catalysts in our life, rattle the cage of the self, the small self enough that we see every strategy comes up. Mm -hmm. And when we are holding the awareness to see that these big explosions are serving as catalysts that are perfectly designed for us to become more aware of our strategies our protections, our judgments, our control, our maneuvering, all of that. And then sometimes it has to run hard until it exhausts itself. And then there's this release, this like, fuck man, white flag. I just can't, I, I don't know. 
the small self, I don't know. And there, and, and can it be okay that I don't know? I did a, um, an episode with, um, Ailey Jolie just yesterday. It'll come out oh, right. It's, it's the episode before this one for anyone listening. And she said something that was really potent. Um, at the bottom of surrender, every time at the bottom of surrender is love. Mm-hmm. And in order to get to the bottom of surrender, mm-hmm. sometimes we have to really exhaust all of the identity structures. And then there's this surrender. And from that place of surrender, it sounds like the form of love was like, I'm open to receive. I'm open to reflection. I'm open to, and in that release of the self, the death of the small self that was in all of those layers of protection, there's a resurrective, like a resurrection quality of the the I that ironically can actually hold the next level of everything that's trying to happen. Just Mm -hmm. the next level of everything that's trying to happen through you wouldn't have been able to flow through the nervous system of the one who's utilizing so much energy and control, strategy, maneuvering. So that shedding actually creates the space for the you that is willing to receive support and reflection that has the nervous system capacity to hold the next level of life however that looks, whether it's in that business or not, but it's the next level of relationship with your sister, being able to hold her and yourself, being able to hold the business as it evolves into its new form, because that's the you that is operating inclusive of support, of reflection. That's what that's what got in the gate that was opened through that process. And it's so beautiful to look at it through that lens now. Now, <laughs> yeah, now, but like when we're, when we're in it, it's a whole different can of worms, you know, yeah. and I just keep tying it back to this lineage piece, this ancestral piece, this, you know, in, in indigenous and Latina piece that you're such a stand for as an entrepreneur and such a, 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 a way shower. You're like setting a new, you're a way shower. You're setting a path that doesn't exist yet. And so as you're in the process of doing that, of course, it's going to ripple out into your familial relations and through the line, you know? And so it's like your healing on a personal level, your sister's healing on a personal level, the way that interplay is happening is deeply connected to who you are as a way shower, right? So I wonder if there's anything else in there that you feel to share in terms of like your own process specifically connected to your evolution with family. I know like the ability to feel and like feeling in with the feminine and feeling in sisterhood has been such an opening for you. And I wonder how that is translating as well in, in your business, because I do remember, um, as this breakthrough to receiving more support happened a lot of, in a, a lot of our sessions you were in the intention of like more effortlessness and more receiving and more flow and then i think that google grant came in soon okay. after as you started embodying more of that and i'm wondering if you could create a little context around your journey connected to feeling however specific you want to get and are there any you know connections in there in terms of like your lineage and feelings like safe to feel. And then how has that contributed through your own opening to, to 
your work. It's all connected. It's all connected. It's all absolutely connected. And, um, you know, when I started as an entrepreneur, I had the masculine energetics like I have down. I didn't know at the time that those were the labels. I didn't understand that. I actually didn't even fully understand the difference between feminine and masculine energetics. Things that I would have thought were feminine were masculine. Things that I would have thought were masculine were feminine. And so when I came into knowledge around this stuff, I was like, holy shit. (laughs) You know, just so much awareness, so much awareness and validation and just validation occurred. And I grew up in an environment, um, my, all, all of us did, all of my siblings did. There, there are four of us and we grew up in a really volatile environment. You know, my, my, there was a lot of love from my parents, a lot of love, like the purest intentions. And they had a lot of wounding, like they were very, very broken. And so what they've passed down to us, my, my siblings and I are healing. And I see that. And I honor that so much. Like each one of us are walking such a significant path right now. You know, I have a brother who's a year older than me and he's schizophrenic and really struggling on the deepest levels that I've ever seen a a human physical person struggle. And it's, it's incredibly painful. And I know that there, this is intertwined. I know that there is a reason here. I know that there is a journey meant for him and he's journeying through that, you know, and and my sister and my other brother, like we're all on our own independent journeys. And for me, I remember from the youngest age of being five years old and learning very quickly that um, the women in my family had really big emotions, really big emotions. And I internalized it as danger. Like these really big emotions mean that you are going to be sporadic, that that you're going to go high to low, high to low, high to low. You're not going to get out of bed for days, you know, and you're not going to be able to motivate yourself and you're not going to be able to create structure with your life. And so I internalize these big emotions as danger. Like don't let yourself have those sort of emotions. Mm -hmm. And simultaneously I'm watching my father who is an alcoholic. And so he's numbing himself completely out, but he's even keel, you know, to me, he's even keel. And so I'm learning like, okay, numb this out and be even keel. And I, I internalize this for my entire life so much so that I could not access the depths of my emotions. Like I couldn't, I couldn't access them. And my dad died when I was 19 and that hardened it, you know? So I became even more distant. Like I couldn't access my emotions. And the only way that I could access my emotions was if I drank. And a lot of people, we've talked about this. A lot of people drink to numb. I was drinking to feel like I wanted to cry. I wanted to, I wanted to release. I wanted to feel it. And so I would, you know, get blackout so that I could finally fucking cry. And then my best friend died when I was 25. And so it was another boom, like shut your emotions down. And I went through all of these life experiences that just taught me over and over and over that it's not safe to feel like distance yourself from your emotions. And that dynamic created a lot of stress on me and my sister because she's a feeler. Like she can naturally feel things, which I admire. Like I admire that, that the openness to feel. But for a long time, it scared me. I thought it was a threat. I thought it was dangerous. And it took me years of work and work with the dojo and doing medicine work and plant medicine ceremonies and internal work and individual work and meditating and and creating sacred containers for myself that really allow me to feel 
for all of those emotions to come up and to not judge the way in which they are coming up, even if it's a gentle cry. I used to have a lot of um, judgment on if my tears were just subtle tears and not like a big burst, not a, a big, you know, scream. And what I've really learned in that catalyst through being able to tap into my emotions and honor that. And what that means is in business is like, it's so beyond it is, it is the highest of what our world needs right now. I truly believe that mm-hmm. we've been operating in this masculine patriarchy and the business structure for so long. And that's the structure of emotions. Aren't safe here. Like don't talk about things like you leave that at home. We keep it compartmentalized. And I've been able to finally trust and lean in to my heart, to open my heart, to receive people. And what it's done is it's created an environment where people feel truly seen. They feel truly met. They feel truly loved. Like they can show up with, you know, the issues that they're facing at home. And on a human level in a business, I think that's the most important thing that you can do is like create space for humans to be humans and show them a new way of being that they haven't seen before. Totally. I remember something you shared with me once that really struck me as you were having investor meetings and you shared that one of the investors told you, we don't invest in businesses. We invest in founders. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's something about that when it comes to the embrace between you and you of who you really are and how you really feel, right? Like just for a little context, (laughs) in our, in our first overnight immersion, I remember at the end of the, at the end of the ceremony, I came over to April and she hadn't, hadn't really made much of a peep, you know? And there was like, you know, how a a geyser is behind a dam or a waterfalls behind the dam, you know? And she was just observing this like orchestra of women going through full arcs of processes and so many tears and big emotional expressions. And it was like a new reference point for you to feel that full spectrum. And and then it created the contrast of where you weren't giving yourself to that, right? And then fast forward a few years later to our most recent overnight space (laughs) where you were just like, full expression and full feeling and fully giving yourself to your heart, which it doesn't matter what the expression of it is, as long as it's connected to the truth, whether it's grief or sadness or fear or joy or bliss or ecstasy, the, our capacity to experience and express the free, the energy, the emotion of ecstasy through our body is directly related to our ability to experience and express the emotion of sadness through our body. Right. And so just witnessing you kind of undam yourself and open up the floodgates for yourself to feel so fully, right. Is like, it's been such a gift. And I see, I can see how your own embrace of yourself, right. And then bringing that into the world of entrepreneurship and into the in, injecting your shakti injecting your authenticity into the masculine structures of mm-hmm. the business world has created this magnetic layer of intimacy and novel connection like heart to heart with the ones you're calling your investors who are also 
friends and building true, authentic, genuine connection there. And so I think that's an important code I'm learning for myself that there's not, I love what you said about your passion of fusing consciousness and business because it's like almost like the the definitions are dissolving. Mm -hmm. And for anyone listening who's, you know, in pursuit of funding or capital, it's like, there's not a you that you need to be relative to any historically defined ideal. That is what a business person going after capital looks like. It's like, wow, but what, it's not a button you push to be able to fuse the authenticity of who you are. Cause there's the like immature feminine in a way that's just like unchanneled emotion where it's here and there. And it's, it's like un it's unharnessed, right? Like unchanneled, but there's also like, once you've gone through those breakthroughs and you actually embrace your own emotional field and place a container so that the emotions within can flow, then we can bring our healthy, authentic, authentic without stifling or controlling. We're just, we're already containing ourselves, but not in a way that obstructs the expression of what's real from flowing. And that can happen in the business world too. It's happening in the business world too. And it's, it's not communicated the same way. It's not articulated the same way. It's not known in the same consciousness, you know, and and the same awareness and the same verbiage. But one of the things that you touched on is one of my experiences is that In order to arrive to that place, in order to get to that authentic place, your most authentic place, like you have to move through all of your wounding. You have to move through all of those triggers. You have to move through all of those barriers because your authentic self is sitting beneath all of those. Everything else is a mask. Everything else is a charade that you have to break and you have to keep breaking through. And the breakthrough process is excruciating. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. It feels fake sometimes. It feels like, is this really me? Like, what am I doing? I don't even know this level of myself, this aspect of myself, but you have to keep going. And one of my lived experiences with that in, in raising capital and venture capital and being a part of this whole space is the amount of triggers that I had in relation to all of the headlines around funding going to Caucasian males, Mm. like immense triggers. And I was like, where the fuck did this come from? I don't even know. Like, I don't, Zach is white. Zach's Caucasian. Like I, I don't have an anti-Caucasian thing. Like where did these triggers come from? And I started to her husband, everyone just said, yes, Zach is my husband. husband. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And, and so I was really being faced with like, every time there was another article coming out about this male raising 13 million in funding with just an idea on a napkin that went to Stanford. I was like, I can't. And I would get really triggered and I would feel it viscerally in my whole body. And then I would try to communicate it and I would hear, and then I would feel like I was being shut down. Like nobody was understanding me and I was creating this projection cycle, you know, and I kept feeling triggered. I try and share it. I felt like they were shutting me down and we would just go in this cycle. And I was so angry for a long time, like the first two years of raising capital. And it took me going back to also one of the other things that we were talking about surrender you know, like how do you break through when you get to surrender? It took failure to get me to surrender. And then immediately once I surrendered, the thing that I needed to do next 
is claim it, you know? And so it was like, I had to go through this full cycle process of the trigger coming up, coming up, coming up, failing, like giving it all up and surrendering. Okay. I don't know what to do here. And then also claiming it like that's such an important piece that I feel like is forgotten in this surrender path of breaking through your triggers and your failures is at the end of it, you have to claim that, like you have to claim the failure, claim the ownership in it or claim the new success that you're, you're working to, but make it yours. Because if you don't make it yours, then it's really not alchemizing. Yeah. You're like the victim to it. Exactly. It happened to you. You know, and so there's a, there's a shift into it's, it, it happened for me and it's okay to be in the humanity of the emotional experience of failure. That is a painful place to be that we are wired to resist. Of course we resist failure. We sp- most humans spend a lot of time and energy in ploys and strategies to avoid and, and reduce the risk of failing. Even, <laughs> even if that r- risk reduction looks like not even trying at all. Yeah. Yes. And then you're numb. You're not, you know, you're not living your most authentic self. You're not like reaching your truest heights. And that's what I'm dancing with right now. That's what I shared earlier is this experience of really flirting with failure, like really learning. I'm failing. Oh, I mean, Zahara, the amount of failure that I experienced, you have no fucking idea. (laughs) Tell us more. Constant. It is just over and over and over again. So, you know, like that's the business that I'm in. We're raising capital to to build something really big. And as a startup, it doesn't work. You're building it. You're building the engine. You're putting it together from scratch. And so you're going to start it and then it's not going to work. It's going to, you know, you're going to start, it's going to fall start. You're going to start, you get a little bit going and then it dies. And (laughs) it's just constant failure over and over and over, like on all ends, you know. And for a long time, I would just, I look at myself and hear the, the voices like you're just a failure, you're just failing, you're just failing, you're just failing. And I've gotten to this point of like, no, this is actually really fucking epic of me. This is really epic. The amount of failure that I'm willing to just throw myself at over and over and over That's and great. learn from so that my foundation, I really believe that your foundation is you're just like, I'm building this thick earth like crust you know, from failing and failing and failing. And that gets more sturdy and stable eventually. And then your house starts to come, you know, but that, that crust is coming from all of these moments of failure. And I think, wait, let's pause on that for a second. That (laughs) analogy, it's like, it almost reminds me of a scab, like the crust. It's like Mm. you get the scab because you had a wound and then the scab forms and it's a protective layer that's making the skin strong enough, right. To heal. Mm -hmm. And, and if you just continue to kind of build more of that crust, but it's happening on like, I guess the mechanic level is the, it starts with the fear of failure, the resistance Mm -hmm. to failure. Like I'm sure the Mm -hmm. first one, it was like, no, we don't want to fail. And then it's like, you experience the thing you were afraid of, which is we failed. Mm -hmm. And then there's kind of this open wound. And then it like, crust, a layer of crust happens when you realize like, I'm actually still here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try again. Mm -hmm. And and that's where resilience is built. Resilience is not built through succeeding over and over again every time. (laughs) Resilience is built through the willingness to try, which is already a breakthrough. Again, Mm -hmm. many individuals do not even try as a strategy to avoid failure. So if you're even in the, in the action of creation. Mm-hmm. You're already taking the first step. Mm-hmm. So the willingness to do it, 
then that is the risk. You're inherently risking it not working. And then you actually experience it not working. So you're experiencing the fear. And then you experience yourself on the other side of that edge. The, oh, wow, I failed. I'm experiencing the thing I've been afraid of. And then you learn how to be with yourself there. And that builds one layer of crust, of earth foundation that you're speaking of. And then you stand on that layer. Now we're in new territory. You stand on that layer and it's strong enough to hold you. And you're like, wow, okay. I'm going to try it again with more wisdom from a different angle. And you try it again. And then what I'm hearing is then you're like, but you're a little more willing to fail this time because you just experienced it, but you also really don't prefer it, right? That's <laughs> the goal, but you're not, you're definitely willing to try. And then the failure happens again. And it's like, damn, like then you pick yourself back up again do the work you need to do. And that's another layer of crust, which is called resilience. Now there's two layers of crust that are building strength and building resilience and you stand on them. And you're like, like, I'm just like, as I'm building this image of you standing on these layers of crust, I'm like, damn, respect girl. April's also a marathon runner. She's like running miles every day and like (laughs) visioning her business, fucking beast. Panther, another big cat energy, you know? Yes. So then you're building and you you're, you then you go at it again. And then what I'm hearing is there's just been these cycles of failure and failure and failure. And oh then what God. I also feel in that is this like, wow, what a core of resilience mm-hmm. built through this time. Okay. So now I'll take it from there. Cause I just really wanted to pulse on that image. Yeah. And you know, but the biggest question to face off with in failure is like, what does failure actually mean to you? Like, what does it mean? What is the deepest story that you're telling yourself around failure that makes you so scared about it? You know, that's what I had to face off is, with is like, what, where is this fear of failure? Where is this conflict of failure actually coming from? Why am I like thinking that it's such a bad thing? And a large part of it, and I've shared this um, in other avenues, a large part of it is because of what I was interpreting the spiritual community to say about failure. And what I had been interpreting was that in the spiritual community, there is a belief that if you are living your Dharma, you're living in flow. And if you're living in flow, everything is easy and everything is effortless and you're not experiencing failure. And so for me, that biggest question that I had to pull forward of like, why, why am I so conflicted about failure was because then if I'm failing, that means I'm not living in my Dharma, which for me is like really significant. And so I was tying those two together. But if I was failing, I wasn't living in my Dharma. Mm. And I had to really reclaim and recreate what failure actually means. And honestly, I feel like today I am a part of, um, I feel like I am a part of elite class of thinkers in terms of failure. And that feels really good. That feels really delicious. That feels really juicy because I'm like, let's go. We can play in failure and we're going to do this all day and we're going to make it really fun because I know on the other side of this, like all, all it's doing is building this foundation. And um, yeah, it's one of those things that like Jeff Bezos and uh, Elon Musk, like this is where they live is in failure. And it's a, it's a practice. It reminds me of that image. I don't know if you've seen it in, it's like an image of a man kind of digging for gold and he's digging through this tunnel 
And there's one, there's like one on the top and one on the bottom and they're both digging for this gold. And one, it's like, they go really far and there's like nothing, 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 nothing. They're just like tacking away at it. And then one, he just gives up, like he gives up and you can see from the side angle that he's like inches, (laughs) inches from the gold. Yeah. It's like, wow. Like he had to just kind of keep going. And the one who gave up, is that actually the failure? And then the one who was willing to fail and fail and fail and fail and fail, it's just like that one last yes. willingness to fail then breaks through into the thing that had the gold. But it yes. was like, so I'm curious, how would you recognize or differentiate one who is off path, mm-hmm. off dharma and experiencing like resistances and in, in kind of life creating situations that are occurring as failure that are actually kind of life saying, no, no, not this way. You're out of alignment. And another parallel timeline person who's also experiencing failures, which are occurring as opportunities to learn and build resilience, but they are in alignment. Like, how do you, how do you know the difference? I think that is the message for the gods and the goddesses. That is the question. Like that is the question that I am asking every day. That is, that's it. Like, and so every day it's a practice for me. I'm opening up my channel and I'm receiving like, is there something else? Is there anything else here? Am I missing anything? Is, are these challenges, any sort of signal, you know, that I'm off path. And I think that every path is so unique. It's so unique. And I really don't, I also don't believe that on a dharmic level that we are only living our dharma as a whole, like our life is in dharma. I believe that there can be parts of our life that are in dharma in little aspects that this is an alignment, this is an alignment, this is an alignment. Maybe this is a little off. Like I, I don't believe that it's always the full thing at once all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that question is a really beautiful question that is really hard to answer. That's, that's what I am asking every day. And I believe that it comes down to your truth, your own internal truth, your own internal knowing. And for me, when I get my quietest of quiet and I put everything out there and in front of me, and I'm, I'm faced with my biggest failure yet again, and my biggest challenge yet again, and I sit there in the quiet, what comes up is keep going April. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good signal. And then, so I keep going. Yeah. It, um, I remember speaking to you and we were talking about this in, in the last immersion and you kept saying, Z, it's just so hard. Like, why is <laughs> so hard? And then we really, we had a deep conversation after the ceremony and we really got down to it because we were in that question of like, is it in alignment? And when I really asked you if, if, if you're passionate about what you do, you're like, it's not about that. I love what I do. I want to be doing what I do. It's the process of like getting the fund or like, you know, it's like, it's those, the, the, the perceived obstacles and challenges on the way toward the thing that, you know, is in alignment. And so I think that's maybe one way to think about it is Mm -hmm. that you, you know, 
we know if the alignment is clear, connected to the vision or the aim and the vision and the aim can change at any moment. Sometimes we have a vision or an aim and it's just meant to pull you in a certain direction until suddenly that vision or aim falls away and changes. But who you've become on the way towards it is the person you need to be to actualize that real next vision or aim or the, just the next one that'll get you to become the next you that you need to be for the next step. Right? So it doesn't really matter if the vision or the aim that you have is the finality, long-term multi-generational legacy vision, but it does matter from my perspective that it's the aim feels and lands in the system of your body and the system of life as aligned. Now, like a mountain goat, you know, climbing a mountain, there's a vision to hit the summit. But every leap along the way will likely be a challenge. It takes, you know, those mountain goats, their feet are like up against the side of the cliff and like it takes calculation right? And there's like a precision before they're not like leap, 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 leap. Oh, this is so easy. They're like, they kind of stand on one of those little ledges for, for a while and calculate until there's a certain amount of precision. And then when the leap happens, it's like leap, you know, and there's a pacing. And that doesn't mean on the way to the summit, there isn't challenge. That doesn't mean on the way to the summit, there, there aren't experiences of failure. It's just, is the summit your summit that your most high alignment is aiming you toward during this phase in your life? And no matter the challenge, no matter the obstacle, no matter how many times you fail, as long as you, when you tune into that North star alignment, your whole system is like, yes, then it's like, okay, I'll try again from a different part of the base of the mountain. Okay. Maybe this other path will be the way to do it. But it's really an alignment game, I feel like. And part of your alignment in this season of your life is actually flirting with failure and the resilience, like who you're becoming through facing off with failure again and again and again, not just facing off with it, but permeating it, integrating who you need to become in order to come back from it, to be resilient from it. That's a whole new expression of April on the other side of this season. And it's who you needed to be. It's the failure training dojo, training you to become the you that you need to be to take for your nervous system, to be able to have the capacity that it needs to take what you're creating to the level that it needs to go, which will require you to absorb the potential of failure a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so you're like training for that, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is in a, uh, an epic training. And um, you know, the one of the one of the images that I got when you were talking about the challenges and and um living in your dharma and it, just one other prime simple example is death doulas. You know, we have a sister in in the dojo that is a death doula. 
-hmm. And when you think about how hard that is, like how hard it is to be in that experience over and over to escort spirits out of their physical body, to be in that, you know, emotional energy, to be a, a channel for that to occur. Like that is hard. That is hard. That is but it doesn't mean that it's not your dharma. It doesn't mean that it's not an alignment. It doesn't mean that it's not your purpose, like, but it's hard. And so those, that is a lesson I've really had to come to. It's like, this is really fucking hard and I am right on track and right on time. That's it. Mm, bless. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. Thank you so mm. much for the work that you do, for the way that you serve, for the embodied fusion of consciousness and business mm. that you are, mm. you really are, you, you know, you really walk with, with the, both of those codes woven into one. So thank you for bringing mm. your medicine and your message here. I'm wondering if you could share where anyone listening can find you if they want to go deeper with you in any way. Mm. Um, I'm on Instagram. My Insta name is April Snow uh, with two W's at the end. Very simple. But um, more than anything, Z, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this space. This podcast is just like a scrape off the surface of the dynamic of the full space that you've created. And I'm just so grateful. I love you so much. Every time I'm in front of you, I'm like, let's fucking go. We could do this for 11 hours. Like, yeah. <laughs> let's turn this into a ceremony. It's so good. And um, I'm, I'm just so eternally grateful for you. I've said it to you over and over, but you are one of the greatest teachers and greatest mentors that I've ever had. And you continue to be and continue to teach me and hold me and hold me at my highest. And I, I love you. I love you so much. Thank you. I receive that so deeply, like through and through in every cell of my being. And as I said, when I started this podcast, you know, we do it for each other. Like it is such an honor, you know, mm -hmm. to witness the ripples of impact that your liberated being is mm -hmm. making on the planet at this time and to be in service to that and to you in any way is such a gift. So thank you. Thank you for being here. And to all of you listening, thank you for the depth of your receiving. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you next time. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at zaharazimring and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart, leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.